When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Bring, bring it back. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi guys, I'm Jim. Uh, I'm the Leicester City fan for the EPL Roundtable. You can find me on Twitter at Jim Knight Tweets. Hi, I'm Jake, Newcastle fan. You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jack with two N's and I write for EPL Index. Hi everybody, my name's Thomas. I'm the editor of wallsblog.com, a website dedicated to Wolverhampton Wanderers. And you can get me easily on the Twitter at wallsblog. All right, well, thanks so much for coming on today, guys. I figured we should talk about the team that's been performing the best since the restart. It's not Liverpool, it's not Manchester City, who, as we are recording, are currently 1-0 down to Southampton. Uh, It's, in fact, Manchester United, who have just been scoring loads of goals, the most in the Premier League since the restart, also picking up the most points over that period. How high do you think that they can climb in the table before the end of the season? They're in pretty good nick at the moment, and I think they've got some quite favourable games coming up. So I think they could they could easily get a top four place. Hopefully, obviously not at Leicester's expense um, from my personal perspective. Um, but they certainly look a lot fresher, a lot more uh, invigorated since since lockdown um, finished. And they've got Aston Villa, Southampton, Crystal Palace coming up. So it's tough to see too many slip-ups I guess against those teams considering United are so free scoring going forward I think Bruno Fernandes deserves a lot of credit for reinvigorating what looked quite a um, stagnant midfield I guess Uh, certainly in the middle part of the season before he arrived um, they were struggling to create chances and United this season actually have been pretty good against the better sides they've just dropped far too many points against the lesser sides that you'd normally expect them to beat and that's been part of their problem um, they've come up trumps against big teams in big games. It's just too many kind of lapses of concentration, I guess, lack of preparation. I'm not sure what it is, but it's certainly bitten them to the point where their top four place, you know, isn't guaranteed. Um, they're still in fifth as we as we talk now. So it's far from assured, but it's kind of difficult to see them slowing down too much, given they've got a big squad um, and a lot of their attacking players are, are starting to show some real flashes. I mean, having Mason Greenwood come in, um, and and perform like he has been doing recently has been a revelation. Combine that with, as I said, Bruno Fernandes looking every inch the player that they expected him to be when they brought him in in January. Um, and Paul Pogba's finally started turning up as well, which always helps, I think, if you want to um, play good football. So he and um, Fernandes are, are running the centre of the park. So yeah, there's every chance that they can get a top four place, um, especially if Manchester City's ban means that fifth place gets a Champions League spot next season. Yeah, they've They've been really good, Jim says. I do enjoy watching Man United at the moment, which I haven't done for a long time. Um, I think that the start of their unbeaten run um, um, came just after a defeat to Burnley. And I remember watching that game. It was absolutely dire. I was thinking, how how 
possibly could Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer be the right person for um for this job. They they need to make that change. And then since then, um, yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, I think Bruno Fernandes is the obvious one. I think he he has changed things. He, he's he's raised the standards. Um, been a lot of players that have improved following him coming into the club. I think the most obvious one for me has been Nemanja Matic, um, who I think over the last few years has not, not really been great. Uh, sort of looked like a shadow of his former self at Chelsea and he had this period at Chelsea as well where you know it went well for him for a little bit and then he, it went completely off. And I think that he's the type of midfielder that needs good players playing around him. Um, and that with Fernandes and Pogba, it just suits him so well. So he's one that, that's really stood out for me that I don't think has been getting much credit. But the main thing for Man United at the moment is where in the last couple of years you couldn't name their strongest eleven. I think we could all now say who are their best eleven footballers, and we can see what their starting eleven is going to be each week. And you know, the best example of this recently is probably Leicester when they won the league. You know, they had that solid core and they had that solid um, starting eleven, as Jim will know. And I think that that's such a such an important thing to have, especially the starting base. You know, when you get to Liverpool and City's level, you know, you can you can bring in and. Uh, change things around a little bit when you've got the system working but to start off with I think it's important to have that base and, and they've started to build that core now and you know with De Gea maybe not as good as he once was but he's still a very good goalkeeper Maguire um, Pogba Matic Fernandes and uh, Martial and Rashford it's a, it's a really solid core and, and I think that for the first time probably since the Alex Ferguson left they've, they've definitely got optimism for the future and, and, and I think this is quite it's going to be sustainable um, for them to to be competing in the top four, and I think for me they're the ones jumping out to become that third team. Still think they've got a little bit of way to go to to catch up to City and and Liverpool's levels, but they're on the right track. Um, and it, yeah, I've, I've been encouraged by the Man United fan. Yeah, I think Jake um, Jake picked up on an interesting point there about you know naming the best eleven. Um, I think that's the same. In football, it relates to you know every single team. If you can't name your best eleven, then I think you've still got issues. And to be able to compete at the very top, you you need to know that. And I, I think Jake said that you know Liverpool and Man City can rotate a bit, and yeah, they can get away with it occasionally. But I think even Liverpool's success this season has been built on the fact they've been able to put out their best eleven most of the time. Uh, Man City haven't been able to do that, and I think they've paid the price for it because just taking one or two key figures out of their team, even though they've got a very strong, talented squad, their best 11 remains their best 11. Um, so, yeah, I mean, bringing it back to, to Man United, um, yeah, they've been very impressive. I do think they'll finish third this season. Um, I know that's um, probably a bit of a bummer for, for Jim if it actually does pan out that way. But, um, you know, hopefully won't cost less to the, the, the top four um, or top five. But, um, but I think, yeah, I think Man United, the way they're going and the fixtures they've got, um, you know, it's going to be very tough for for Leicester and, and, and Chelsea to hold them off. Um, so that that last game of the season, that last weekend when it's it's Leicester, Man United, and Chelsea Wolves, that is that's shaping up because even if all four teams aren't in contention, then you know they'll still have a chance to really um, you know throw a spanner in the works of the other teams. So that that should be an interesting uh, final weekend. Um, but yeah, you know, um, in terms of Man United next season then yeah I think it's one thing to be a great team and and you know get the results and be a sort of a permanent fixture in the top four but if if Man City and Liverpool are going to carry on the consistency that they've shown over the past two seasons that's that's another level that is you know so 
it remains to be seen whether Man United would really have that ability to continually win game after game um, all the time. But certainly, if they um, if they can get that that core of their best eleven on the pitch, I think having Pogba and Fernandez working in tandem, um, you know, makes them a, a much stronger, more intimidating proposition. Um, but yeah, so to answer your questions, yeah, definitely think they'll finish in the top four. I think they'll get third, and uh, I think I, I don't think they'll be challenging the title next season but I think they'll definitely be the, the third best team yeah third's a pretty big shout but I, I do agree I think they'll get the Champions League places and then even more likely if, if City ban is upheld um, and that would be quite the thing if Manchester City missing out being what allows Manchester United to get in if that were to happen um, but agree they, they've been absolutely fantastic uh, Jake and Jim do you agree with uh, Thomas there that they'd probably still be a step behind uh, City and Liverpool next season despite how how well they've been playing since the restart yeah, I think they, they have. It's probably on a depth level um, over the course of the season. Obviously, you ride the injury kind of roller coaster, as it were, um, and keeping a lot of your squad fit really, really helps if you're going to challenge for major honours. Um, I still feel like Liverpool uh, are right there with City in terms of the best um, first 11s, but also the deepest squads. And also, you know, if Manchester City don't have European football, and obviously we'll find out in the next couple of weeks about that, then it gives them a, a big advantage in the league because we all know that playing twice a week does impact your squad um, no matter how deep it is and not having those midweek games will help them immeasurably, I think, in, in the hunt for a Premier League title. So you'd have to say they're still the, the front two. United are there, but I wouldn't like to say they're any more likely necessarily than Chelsea. Um, for me, at the moment, I think with the moves Chelsea have made, um, already locking down uh, Ziyech and um, Tina Werner, for example. Um, they're in a good position, I think, to to kick on under Lampard um, next season as well. I, I still think they, but they've both got a long way to make up to the front two. Um, my concern with United would still be the defence. Um, De Gea hasn't looked at his best for a while now. Um, coincidentally, since not long after he signed the last mega contract, um, to make him, you know, one of the, the best paid players um, around. And I, I still, you know, as a Leicester City fan, obviously have fantastic memories of Harry Maguire, but I'm still not convinced that he is the all-singing, all-dancing, £80 million centre-back that they paid all that money for. Um, and I think he can be exposed. As, this weekend. <laughs> yeah, he can still be exposed against pace. And that's one of the reasons I think Leicester City fans were happy to kind of wave him on his way for such a vast amount of money because... We'd seen that not happen regularly, but at that very, very top level, it can happen. He's not the quick any quicker. So there are still there's still a soft centre, I think, um, especially defensively with United. Um, and I'm still not 100% sold on Solskjaer as a manager. To be fair, the same with Lampard. I've not seen enough of them yet to be convinced that they could lead a team to a title. Um, more so Solskjaer, I guess, for me than Lampard. Um I think he's he's been around, you know, that winning mentality long enough. Um, but the, I suppose when push comes to shove, we will find out. But yeah, I still think both United and Chelsea and everyone else really um, in the Premier League has got a long, long way to go before they step up onto that top um, pedestal with with City and Liverpool. Yeah, I think I agree uh, with Jim. It's it's it would be a very tough ask for any team to get close to to City Liverpool next season, especially if City that have. Uh, European football, it, it 
but there's already such a big difference this season um, and to make those gains over a single year is difficult so I don't think they will but I, I think that we'll see um, Manchester United and Chelsea get a lot closer next year or at least narrow that gap um, I think they're the two for me that look like they, they could close that gap compared to maybe Arsenal who've got a lot of problems in the squad and um, just seem to be a couple of levels below um, even uh, Chelsea and Manchester United are this season and Spurs which I'm sure we'll come on to but again I don't see them doing it so yeah they're definitely the two that I think have got potential but I think with Chelsea and Manchester United it's going to take time I think that they need another another year of building another year of um, bringing a couple of players in um, I know Manchester United are strongly linked to Jaden Sanchez so if they manage to get him you know that would be another step to, to getting closer but they need time and, and the defence um needs to be sorted out. I still think they need to make additions there and the manager. Uh, I think I've been quite impressed with Solskjaer at times this season in big games. I think he's he's not the the uh, he's not lacking tactical um awareness. He does seem to make quite good changes and set up in, in good ways against Liverpool um, and Manchester City. They're the big games uh, for Manchester United this year. And I think that they, they did well um in in the matches against City. I think they got a couple of wins and then against Liverpool, you know, they came so close to ending that um, unbeaten run um, before Christmas so I think he, he's got the awareness in the game he needs to show it more consistently um, and, and he, he, I'm just not sure he has that charisma um, to get these players playing like this for a sustained period uh, I think that you know you see Klopp and Guardiola you just know the standards they set and I'm not sh- quite sure if Solskjaer is a man to get Pogba reaching these standards um, on a weekly basis on a weekly basis but we'll see I think it's, they've definitely come on a lot and I think they're, they're going to be secure in the top four for the next few seasons at least but I, I still don't see them as title contenders just yet Alright well yeah time will definitely tell in that regard and, and it will be interesting to see if this team get, continues to get better and better if Solskjaer will either get the praise for it or it, it might get viewed as him being kind of holding them back with all the young talent that they've cobbled there together at the same time and the defense obviously uh, where the most questions can be asked <laughs> as per Jim's comment about Maguire and 80 million pounds uh, mentioned that he in fact was uh, responsible for that first goal I think it was Josh King that went straight through him um, that match ended up being a really interesting one because it meant that conversely where Manchester United have the most goals and most points uh, thus far since the restart now Bournemouth have conceded the most goals and have picked up the fewest points uh, in the Premier League. We've talked about them in the past couple of shows in a Ryan Fraser context and how they were struggling there. Then last week we talked about teams that were favored to go down. Are you surprised at how little fight they put up at the weekend and have done since the, the season restarted? Even going back before that, I think they were already on a run of losses um, even before the, the pause due to COVID-19. I wouldn't say necessarily surprised. I think the issue that Bournemouth have had for the last however many years, well, pretty much since they've been in the Premier League, has been their defence. They've consistently managed to survive despite a bad defence, not because of a good one. Um, I was looking at their their stats earlier and, you know, going back to their first season in the Premier League, they had the second worst defensive record, conceded 67. And they've consistently been in around the third, fourth or fifth um, worst defence against 67 the next season. Um, which actually was fifth that season, fourth the season after with 61. So relatively good. But then more recently, they're the third worst defence last season. And this season, they're obviously bang there again. 
um, having conceded 59 goals thus far. So they've always managed to kind of dig themselves out of it. They've always been a kind of team that it's kind of like they'll happily concede two goals because they'll back themselves to score three. But this season just seems like the year that they've kind of come up swinging and missing on the, the attacking front and that's really caused them to to slip down the league and they aren't a big club with big infrastructure and yet they still pay a lot of money for signings and big wages and you've got to wonder how long you can keep doing that if you keep conceding 60 goals a season you're going to need a steady flow of goals and obviously they've had a decent flow of goals over the last few years with Callum Wilson, Josh King, people like that and um various players chipping in from midfield, but it just seems like this year's the year they ran out of luck and, you know, it looks like they're they're heading back to the championship and it, they will be a bit of a loss, I guess, because they're an entertaining team to watch and they are the kind of team where you, you used to consistently look at like the big games um, that they would play against big teams and because of that style, sometimes they can just go toe-to-toe with big teams and get big results, but it's just not happening on a consistent enough basis. And I mean, the showing that they put in against Newcastle in midweek was atrocious. Um, and I think that just sums up their season, basically. They they look kind of very short of fight at the moment, which must be frustrating for Eddie Howe. But yeah, it just looks like they've run out of luck to me and they look like they're kind of resigned to a place in the Championship next season. Yeah, it's, it's not looking good for Bournemouth. Watching them against Newcastle uh, was... They were awful. They were the worst team I've seen us play at Premier League level in quite some time. Um, we just sort of cut them open at will and we could have scored five or six on the night. And this is Steve Bruce's Newcastle. It's not like we're Barcelona. We don't score many goals. So to score four against Bournemouth and then come away thinking you probably should have scored more. Um, yeah, it doesn't look good for Bournemouth. And, and again, they conceded five at the weekend. They're just conceding so many goals. Um, I think the one thing that Bournemouth used to be is that they used to they had open games, but they were creating good chances and they weren't just, they, they had their fair share of possession and, and it, they seem to thrive in open games, but now they're just not really creating much. I know they've scored a few goals recently, but they, when you watch the games, they're not really creating much. Um, you know, you'd say for the, for the goal against, um, the first goal against Manchester United, it wasn't really good play. It was just poor defending from Manchester United and then, the penalty, you know, you could argue that that was probably not a penalty. And, and again, it didn't come from anything great Bournemouth did. It came from a Manchester United just make, making a poor pass uh, and, and by putting his, putting his hand out. It wasn't like it was anything good Bournemouth did in the goal against Newcastle as well. It's just in the last minute when it, when it was already um, 4-0. It's not like um, they really deserved the goal on the night. So it's not looking good. The, the players don't look like they're playing for Eddie Howe. He's, he's sort of taken them as far as they can go, but it's it's still Bournemouth in the Premier League, so any any time they spent at this level was always going to be an overachievement. Um, and and to have done what they've done is still quite impressive. Uh, the main reason they've not been able to to kick on is their recruitment. Um, this summer they spent forty million pounds on Dan Juma, Philip Billing, Lloyd Kelly, and Jack Stacey. Not one of those has played regularly for them. You wouldn't say any of those have been a good signing. Um, and if you look at what they've done, uh. In previous summers, Jordan Ibe, um, Brad Smith, the left back from Liverpool, uh, Daniel uh, um, Solanke, it, they've just had so many um, bad signings that they're still relying on that core of the team that got them up. Um, Steve Cook, um, 
and, and Wilson and King, they're players that they've had for a long time. They've not really been able to strengthen on what they already had. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's been a long time coming for Bournemouth. I think um, I just you can't stay up when you've got a poor defence. Um, you just can't consolidate at this level if you're just consistently conceding big chances and conceding goals. It's not going to work. Um, they've been fairly lucky in previous seasons, perhaps, um, and, and this season that they've just it's just gone completely to pot. And anything that they did well, they no longer do well. Um, yeah, they're any. They've still got a chance of staying up, but I, I, I can't see it. Their, their upcoming fixtures are horrible, and, and I think that they're, they're going to go back down. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them come back up. I think they've got quite a good uh, squad of players. They'll probably keep a lot of those that, that got them off last time. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them come back up, but I can't see them staying up this season. I just think that I think the bottom three, as they, as they currently stand, will be the ones going down. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that has been said. Um, bad recruitment over a long period of time. Too many misses um the transfer market. And I, I feel like they've kind of sacrificed a lot of craft in midfield in favour of trying to add some muscle there to try and sort of protect the defence a bit better, like Lerma and Billing, sort of players who, you know, don't really light up matches with amazing creativity. But then... You know they're more of a physical presence, and so maybe that's hampered them as an uh, an attacking team. I think they've had a bit of misfortune with injuries. Seem to have always had two or three of their key attacking players. Brooks has missed a lot of the season. He's an important player for them. Um, but you know, going back to your question about being surprised how little fight they've shown. I mean, I think I'm surprised how little attacking intent they've, intent they've shown. I mean, we played them at Molyneux Wolves a few weeks ago, and. They didn't even register an attempt on goal, really. I mean, Rui Patricio might as well have got his deck chair out. I mean, when we didn't take that game like Newcastle took the game to them, we basically sat back and waited for them to make a mistake. And eventually we knew we'd get a chance against them. But that should have given them the initiative to really hurt us more. And um, they didn't really do anything. So, I mean, what I'm most surprised about is that they haven't haven't got those, haven't been able to get those those players who've, so often got them the goals, you, you Kings, Wilson, Stanislas, those players are normally good, you know, for, for the goals necessary to compensate for that, that leaky defence. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, again, like everyone else, I think the fixtures now they've left them. They should have, looking at the fixtures at the restart, they should have had a good chance of, of, of getting the points necessary, but they just, they're losing and they're losing heavily. Um, they, they, they now need at least 
one result from the two sort of more winnable games I've got and then at least another win and a draw from games you wouldn't back them in. So so I think they're done. Um, and it's a shame, but, you know, that's football. So uh, good luck to them. Yeah, it sounds like none of you are particularly optimistic for them. They obviously have a lot of talented players that I'm sure other teams would be interested in, like Ake and Brooks and Wilson and King. Obviously, Fraser hasn't played for them uh, since the restart, but you could really just run down the list of all the talented players that they have. Do you think interest in those players will go down at all because of the struggles that they've had this season, or do you think people will just be delighted that the prices are lower? Yeah, I think the wage bill that they've got, I haven't got it to hand, but I'm sure it's a significant one. Um, And I think that drop, although you do get parachute payments, it might mean that they have to offload some of the more um, expensive earners, shall we say. Um, Ryan Fraser's obviously not signed a new contract, so I think he's actually a free agent now um, to all intents and purposes. So he would be an interesting one. I think, I mean, Leicester were linked with Nathan Ake not that long ago when we sold Harry Maguire. Um, and there was talk about a replacement. Nathan Ake was apparently one of the players that we had shortlisted um, to bring in at relatively short notice. And I think we were quoted something like £50 million or something, which when you sold Maguire for 80, spending two thirds of that on, um, on Nathan Ake, who plays in a Bournemouth team that can see goals for fun and have done for some time. Doesn't make much sense. So I'm glad we didn't go down that route. But he, again, is a player where he's got a bit of pedigree. He comes from, obviously, the Chelsea background. And I think he's, he's he'd be very, very useful in the Premier League and the right team. Um, so, yeah, there'll be interest. Um, Callum Wilson's been mo- rumoured for a move um, for a while in various summers when he's had a good goal scoring campaign so again I think he would be a good maybe backup striker or a a starter for a lower half team potentially Um, so yeah there'll be a few players that will be on the shortlist especially with the budgets kind of having to be slashed Um, if they want to bounce back they're going to have to do it with as as Jake said probably the core of players that aren't earning mega money that got them there in the first place rather than the bigger names that they've brought in Um, since the, the Liverpool reject kind of squad that they've put together hasn't really worked out so I guess a few of those might be on the move um I could see I could see Leicester kind of sniffing around for for Aki maybe Fraser as well um a kind of good wide player that we know has got good speed and strength and output even though it's not the biggest so yeah there'll be there'll certainly be a few clubs interested I'm sure yeah I think there's definitely going to be a few that that will be of interest I think that the situation that everybody's in in terms of finances means that you'd probably look at relegated clubs first um, and free agents as well, um, just because you might be able to get them a little bit cheaper. Bournemouth will obviously want the money. So, yeah, I think if if, if Newcastle were to look at any of them, I don't think we'd be able to get Ake. Um, but I wouldn't mind Callum Wilson. I think he's been linked with Newcastle in the past. Um, I think he, he he'd be quite good for us. We need a striker. Don't think he's at the profile now where he'd get a move to Spurs or one of the other top clubs because he's had quite a poor season. But he's definitely good enough for a, a, a sort of mid-table Premier League club or, or bottom half of the, the table. I think he'll get a move. He's he's done pretty well uh, since he got up. He had a poor season, but before that, he, he's been very good. And I think Josh King's probably the other one. He was really good against Manchester United. He was probably their best player. Um, you can see why uh, Manchester United tried to get him. Obviously, there's connections with Solskjaer, but I think he'd be quite a good backup striker for, for most teams in the league, if not a starting one. So, yeah, I think those two, for me, are the ones that jump out. Yeah, I, I do think it's a dangerous game to go around signing players from relegated teams 
Um, the last time Wolves were in the Premier League, it was like our modus operandi to do that. It was, I think Burnley went down and we bought Stephen Fletcher and Hull went down and we bought Stephen Hunt. And then the next year we went down with those players. So, um, and then we sold players and none of them really went on to do anything of great uh, value at any of the, the clubs in the Premier League that took them. So I think, you know, but then I think finances will dictate that, that Bournemouth need to sell and they're unlucky because it's kind of a double whammy. You've got the relegation and then you've got all this fallout from the, you know, the COVID shutdown. And a club like Bournemouth is probably going to feel the pinch of that um, quite severely. So there'll be deals to be done. Uh, like the others have said, I can't imagine Callum Wilson's going to hang around there. There will be clubs who will take him, um, a proven goal scorer at this level in the peak of his powers, really. Um, so players like him will go. Um, it, it, you know, it will it will impact what they've done and the fact they've had a poor season. It will impact their value, no doubt about it, because I think last summer when Callum Wilson was linked with Chelsea, it would have been a silly money move probably, but now it would be something that seems probably quite reasonable for, for his capabilities. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think uh, it would be a case of how desperate they are to sell. And I, I actually do think that they, they're going to end up relying on those players they've been relied, too reliant on probably, to, who got them up in the first place to, to probably be the nucleus of a team that's going to help them come back because the, the big names in that team will probably go. Um, but I just say, uh, add a note of caution, teams buying from relegated clubs there's a reason that club was relegated so you've got to be um you've got to be a bit careful yeah i think that makes a lot of sense uh another team that hasn't been uh playing particularly well of late is uh my beloved tottenham hotspur obviously the loss to sheffield united ends up being 3-1 but it was far more humiliating than that obviously it does start um, with the controversial Kane uh reversed goal with the handball and lucas Moore when he was laying on the ground but uh, from that point, especially because it was right after West Ham had had uh, faced a similar issue and then they came back to fight back, the fact that Tottenham came out in the second half to concede two really sloppy goals got a lot of the fan base really riled up. Um, the play style hasn't been good. The results haven't been great. Not terrible, especially considering how well Manchester United have been playing. That draw looks a lot more palatable in hindsight. But basically, as soon as that match was over, a lot of people were calling for Jose Mourinho's head. Um, from an external perspective from you guys, how bad do you view things uh, at Spurs at the moment? I mean, the signs aren't good, are they? I hate to rub it in, Kev, but they don't look especially good. Um, I'd be concerned maybe more with the application and the attitude sign of things from watching the Sheffield United game. I think the defensive positioning for the second goal, maybe, um, with the cutback across. I mean, mm. I've no idea what Eric Dyer is doing in that situation. He's just, he's facing the wrong way. He's kind of got, he's not even looking really where the ball's coming from. And he just kind of finds himself in a tailspin. Um, that, to me, is worrying for a Jose Mourinho side that are normally so defensively well-drilled. And his the criticism about him and his teams in, in more recent times, um, I suppose, kind of post the second um, spell at Chelsea has been the lack of goal scoring intent in his teams. And this seems the complete opposite. Um, there's the signs going forward, probably a bit of, you know, rustiness and stuff in Kane and not necessarily converting the chances, but Tottenham aren't keeping clean sheets. Like you kind of would expect a, a Jose Mourinho team to do. Um, and that to me is probably the most worrying side of that um, because the one thing you can normally expect from Mourinho teams is is a defensive base and you build from there. So 
I, I mean, I think it's a bit early for calls to him to be sacked. I do wonder how much of that is is kind of scar tissue from seeing him manage other teams and leave on bad terms. Um, he doesn't really ever go out on top, as it were. It normally goes that he comes into a team he has moderate or, or a good level of success earlier on in his career for the first th- two or three years. And then there's this kind of, it's almost like an egg timer. You you turn it over when he starts and within three seasons, it's all gone a bit sour and he's, he's left under a bit of a cloud. So it, um, as far as Spurs are concerned, I mean, I, I'd be a little bit worried about that. But then if he stays this summer, have you got to back him can Spurs back him with more money? I mean, obviously, the as we've mentioned a couple of times already, the, the, the COVID crisis and the fallout from that may well impact transfer values, but also budgets. And Spurs are notoriously run by Daniel Levy. He's a man who doesn't necessarily want to dig into his pockets too often or too deep. So if, if he is expecting Mourinho to build or rebuild a team around a relatively low budget, that's kind of a situation that Mourinho is not normally used to. He manages big teams with historically big budgets and he's been able to pour sometimes hundreds of millions of pounds into a team over a couple of transfer windows. Um, If he's not got the opportunity to do that um, and might not for the foreseeable future around stuff like paying back the loans for stadium and the the kind of global side of that, then it's a pretty tricky to see how things turn around too quickly unless there's kind of a dramatic improvement in the players that are already there. Yeah, I've not been too impressed with Spurs, um, especially since the turn of the year. Uh, I think I saw I saw earlier on, on Twitter that since the turn of the year, uh, they ranked bottom for um, non-penalty XG conceded. So basically, they've got the worst defence in the league this year in terms of chance that they're letting up, which when you think Norwich are in this league, that's quite a bad stat, especially for somebody uh, a team managed by Jose Mourinho, which... If you've got a Jose Mourinho team, you think first and foremost they're going to be solid, but this one isn't. Uh, defending for to, the, the last two goals, or even all three of the goals, really, in Sheffield United is poor. They seem to be very similar, the the, um, the, second, the last two as well. They just seem to be just stationary defending. I don't really know what is going on there. Um, I just don't think the players are really playing for him. I think that he's, and he's not really got a system that works for them. I think... I, th- I think I saw one one Tottenham fan say that um, when they saw the team in Sheffield United, that that's the best team out of the players that Mourinho doesn't hate, <laughs> which is just a good way of putting it, isn't it? <laughs> that he's already he's already alienated some of the squad. Uh, obviously, the Ndombele stuff is obvious, but Alderweireld as well, Vertonghen. There's others that he's, he's already alienated in his, his short time there. So, it, as, as Jim said, the egg time, uh, it, it's always on a Mourinho team, but this one has just been accelerated. <laughs> Um, you'd hope you'd hope that you know be- before before um, the stoppage, you could sort of excuse some of it because he had a lot of big players missing. Uh, there was a lot of injuries, and you could sort of excuse the results. But coming back with all, with a near fully fit squad, you've got you had Kane and Son back, you had Sissoko back, Bergwin. You, you know, he had them all back, and he just doesn't seem to be. They don't seem to be playing very well at all. Um, beating West Ham was one thing, but you'd have thought going to to concede three goals against Sheffield United. They don't score many goals. Um, that was particularly poor. I just I just can't see where it where it improves under Mourinho. I think that you you're gonna have to back him if now you've got him. I don't think that, that I don't think he um leave you will sack him. I think that it'll be too expensive to do that. So he sort of made his bed now and they're gonna have to lie in it and you would hope that with a with a full summer, a couple of signings that they can improve this obviously the talent there, but the defence is a big one for me. 
losing Vertonghen um, at the end of the season and with Alderweire not playing, it just they just don't seem to have a defence to speak about at all. Eric Dyer is not not good. <laughs> he's he's not really very good. And uh, Damon Sanchez, he, he makes a lot of errors for me. I just don't really rate him as a top centre back yet. Um, they just I just don't think that I think there's a lot of work to do. I don't think they should have got rid of Poch. And if they were, and, and when they did, they definitely shouldn't have brought in Mourinho. Um, it's just not a good fit. Uh, I can't see how it gets better anytime soon. Um, I think the one ray of light for me would be against Sheffield United. Kane played very well in the first time. It must have been a good 12 months. He seemed to be getting the the amount of shots in that we'd expect. He seemed to be getting into better areas, getting into more advanced areas. But when he's up there, there's just nobody behind him to create. The reason why he comes deep so much is because there's no creative presence about Ericsson in that team. Um, so it, 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 he's sort of, he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't, if he, he comes deep. Because if he comes deep, there's nobody there to finish the chances. And if he doesn't, there's nobody there to create them. I think Son's been majorly misused. He seems to be told to stay out on the touchline instead of coming inside. And we all know um, Son is best within, um, you know, the the lines in the penalty box. He's so much better in inside position than he is out wide, but he seems to be told to stay out wide. It's just, I just don't really understand what, what he's trying to do. Um, so yeah, it's, I wouldn't really want to be a Spurs fan, right? <laughs> be honest, but we'll we'll see where it goes. I argue that you, you have to give him a summer, but I just can't see how we can turn this into a winning team. I just don't think there's enough, there's, there's enough pieces there already to build that team around. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to a point we we were um, we were making earlier um, about best elevens, um, and yeah. uh, you know they they used there was a time when you could name Spurs best team. It was very easy to do. You, you, you could reel off at least seven or eight names and know how they were going to play. And uh, now it just kind of looks like a, a roster of players. Some very good players, you know, some very good individuals within that, but you just don't really see how they they're operating. Um, in the early days of Mourinho, it looked like he was going to get the best out of Delhi Alley, which I think was important for for Tottenham, but but it, it, it's petered out for him as well. Um, they look sort of over overstocked in certain areas and then understocked in in others. Um, when we played them at Molyneux. My dad just kept saying over and over again, Spurs don't have a midfield. He said they don't have a midfield because we had Neves and Martinho and they were just dictating the game. We lost that game, incidentally, and Spurs won it. But it was um, I, I agreed with his point. I just felt that the where they were lacking was in was in central midfield. And if you look, you know, you've lost Ericsson. And I tell you, he was a massive loss going back a, a while. I can't remember what, when it was he was sold. Was it Moussa Dembele? I yeah. mean, he was a totally yeah, he was a great player. I mean, and you, you you picked apart the sort of, you know, you know, Ericsson's gone, Dembele's gone, um, Ali's not really playing well in the team, and that, those were such key ingredients of the of the side. And even in defence, you know, you were you you had Vertonghen and uh, Alderweireld, and you sort of had Rose. So you, you, had, you kind of had an identity all over the pitch, and and so very it, it's very much a team in transition now. I was surprised when. Mourinho took over and he commented, I'm sure he said something along the lines of, I don't need to sign any players. I'm happy with the squad. And, um, you know, it was, he made kind of a pretty bombastic statement that they were going to be, they were going to be knocking on the door of the the top four. And, um, 
you know, it, it, it's very possible that you could end up at the end of the season exactly where you were when he took over, which is mid-table. So um, it's not good. And I think for, for Jose, the problem is that there's a theme developing here. This is the third club now, third elite Premier League club he's been at where he's not really been able to get the best out of established players. He's not really been able to... I mean, at Chelsea, OK, it went off the rails after a very good start and a title win. But, you know, that next season, he couldn't really get that team playing and it went really badly south. And at Man United, there were, there was issues again. He didn't seem to be able to coax performances out of people. There was no real emergence of a, of a team in the, in the way it's happening at Man United now with Solskjaer. Um, so I don't know whether he's just very unlucky with the timings, whether he's taking over teams where there's a transition needed and... It, it's it's difficult for him, but I I do think he's got a job on his hands there. He's got to try and he's got to sort out this this you know this long list of players he's got and work out who he does and doesn't want. And he's got to get a balanced team, and that's not that's not easy. It's really difficult. Um, so I, I do think Spurs are a, a long way off where they need to be. Um, kind of different to to Arsenal. There's always going to be comparisons with, with Spurs and Arsenal. You know, Arsenal are going down a sort of youth route to try and under Arteta to kind of form a team, whereas Tottenham still have a lot of well-established players and they're just not performing. Um, and, you know, there's those first murmurings from Mourinho. I think it was the first time after Sheffield United, he was sort of turning on his team a bit and sort of saying, you know, the heart wasn't there, the desire wasn't there. And, you know, again, we've, we've just heard it before. It's every press conference he, he was doing towards the end of his Man United reign. And, and even at Chelsea. So, um, so yeah, worrying times for Tottenham. I think they've got to try and salvage what they can out of this season. Highest they're going to finish is seventh, maybe. Um, and then, you know, big summer on to try and, you know, rebuild and, and, and rebalance that side for next season. Yeah, I agree with the vast majority of that. And as Jake says, not a particularly fun time to be a Tottenham supporter. Um yeah, I think the the big question is, is it the squad or is it Mourinho? Obviously, the same squad kind of fell out of love with Pochettino there towards the end. Um, and Pochettino himself didn't really seem to have his heart in it either. And then that's why we fell all the way to 13th, I think, is the worst we were placed um, by the time he was gone. And then Thomas, to your point, uh, where, you know, a, a loss would put us in the bottom half for the first time since then. So we're, we're really close to where we started. And I think... Um, Again, agreeing with Jake, I don't think it was a good fit for the club's ethos. Um, again, as has been mentioned, typically want to get young players, grow them, get the best out of them, sell them on. That's definitely not what's happened. What's happened is with uh, an aging Toby, with Sun clearly on a kind of rocket ship past our, our status as a club, um, with Kane still here, and all the rumors basically any time we lose about him wanting to win trophies, um, you've got Delhi in there as well. I think the idea with hiring Mourinho, and I mentioned this a little bit last week, the idea with hiring Mourinho is we're not entering a new window. The idea is try to get the most out of this window that we can with these players that have already reached their primes. Pochettino got them here, then bring in somebody that can win. Um, and the idea of we can sacrifice the style for a couple of years so that we can win things, get past that hurdle, and then move on, seems decent on paper, but it doesn't really feel like we're about to win anything anytime soon. And the fact that we continue to crumble in pressure moments, even in non-pressure-packed matches, like like the Sheffield United goals, the second and third, it's not even like we were under heavy duress at the defensive end, just minds turned off and then they scored an easy two. 
Um, so those are all the issues with the squad. On the Mourinho side, as has already been mentioned, he continues to bury players that he doesn't like. I don't know if continually questioning their attitude is going to be what turns their attitude around. Um, and, and I'm starting to wonder if this generation of players just won't respond to Mourinho, where previously, if there was a player that wasn't training hard and he mentioned it, I think even uh, Eto mentioned this, that uh, he was forced to play out left. He wasn't uh, viewed to be training well. So Mourinho basically yelled at him until he put in like a 30-goal season. And I don't think that's going to happen with Ndombele, for example. It seems like his head just drops every time he isn't played. And then all of a sudden we hear all these reports of him wanting to leave. Um, so it, it just kind of feels like he's past it at this point, which I obviously thought when he was leaving United, then had to change my opinion on when he came to Tottenham. But it's really, really just starting to feel like he's kind of lost touch with the gener- generation of players that he's now in charge of. We're probably still going to win some games. If we win against Everton, as has been mentioned, we move much further up the table. I think we can get up as high as 7th, nope, 8th, um, with a win. If we lose, again, bottom half of the table. So so tomorrow, as we record, is going to be a really big uh, telling moment, especially with how the Sheffield United match ended. Um, I probably agree with Jake. It would be way too hard to get rid of him. Uh, he's currently the highest earning manager in the Premier League. So definitely getting our money's worth in that regard as I cry. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a really tough end to the season. Um, as Jim said, it would be great if we could recruit, but we probably won't do much. It sounds like it's way more of like a Hoiberg, Max Ahrens kind of window than, than anything substantial. Um, the, the Jose Mourinho likes the squad stuff came from the fact that he tried to buy freaking half of them <laughs> when he was at Manchester United. But I, I think the, the biggest thing is the defensive midfielder. I recognize Hoiberg hasn't been one of those for very long. Um, but if the idea is get one of those at the base and then you can play in Dombele and Lacelso together with Dele Alli mixed in as the attacking threat. Maybe that turns that around. Uh, right back rotation, obviously crucial. And we need to find out right now if Dyer can actually play center back again. He looked pretty good in the Manchester United game, very good in the West Ham match, and then obviously just fell to pieces in the Sheffield United one. We do still have Toby under contract. He signed his extension earlier this year, so we do have that long term. We have Davinson tied up long term. So um, maybe the idea is we aren't going to finish any higher than seventh, figure out what we have in Dyer and then know whether or not that's a position we have to fill in the air quotes summer because we're still not sure when that window will open. Um, And we have been heavily linked to other center backs. Uh, But that might be more related to the fact that Jan is going to leave and it sounds like we're going to let Foyth go at at least out on loan, potentially be sold permanently. So anyway, there are squad issues. There are manager issues for sure. If you had to take one stab at it, just just quick word answers because I just realized how long this has taken. Do you think it's Mourinho's fault or the squad's fault? Mourinho is more than the squad, I think. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't really think it's Mourinho's. Uh, I don't. Uh, I think it's a mixture of the two. I'm going to sit on the fence. I don't. <laughs> I don't think the squad's. I don't think the squad's very good. But I also don't think he's done that well either. Yeah, I think. Um, I think it's Mourinho, just because you've got you know you're paying top dollar. And I've just got to do, the way you've got to look at it. If, if Mourinho's the the top coach, top paid manager, if you had Pep with the same group of players or Klopp, would they get better out of this squad? Absolutely, yes. So it's the manager. Fair enough. All right. Well, we've taken a very long time to get through that section. So now we will quickly get to rounding the table where we're going to ask you all about club specific questions. Uh, so we'll start off with you, Jim. 
Lester, we, we invited you on last week. Didn't work out. We were going to talk about how Lester were struggling. All of a sudden, you pop up with a win as you try to hold on to that Champions League place. We've heard here um, that uh, Thomas thinks that Leicester might lose that spot to Manchester United on the way up. We already know from the Bundesliga show that your uh, beloved Mönchengladbach already got a Champions League spot. Do you think Leicester <laughs> will be able to hold on to theirs? It's in the balance, I'd say. Um, there was a lot of confidence at the return that Leicester would be fine because of the gap um, that we had still to the chasing pack. Since then, we have not played particularly well. Um, obviously, Palace was a big step up, but pr- prior to that, defeat to Everton, um, defeat to Brighton. Um, it's, they're, they're just not the kind of results that you expect from a team chasing the top four. And essentially, if that's if that's how we want to classify ourselves as a top four contender um, based on this season, then you need to be picking up more points in those games. And obviously, the teams around us have started picking up points at a, frankly, rapid and worrying rate for a team with a diminishing advantage um, in the top four. Obviously, the Palace win keeps the Wolves from the door, quite literally in this case, um, as they're flying up the table. Um, obviously, got beat by Arsenal, but are still well in the mix. Um, and could easily finish at least in the top five. Um, I I'd say we would cling on if the city ban holds up. I think we're capable still of a top five. I if it was the conventional top four only, I think it is really touch and go because of the teams finishing strongly around us. Um, maybe the FA Cup defeat Chelsea so that we can focus on the league is a blessing in disguise. But the long the medium term trend of the form since Christmas time um, or kind of middle of December when that winning run came to an end is, is properly worrying. Um, And I am not convinced that we've necessarily got enough in the tank to go out and beat the likes of Manchester United uh, that we've got coming up. Arsenal will be a tricky game. um, And obviously we've got Tottenham as well. So there's some big games in there and I'm just not convinced that we will have enough to, um, to finish in the top Three, top four, I think, is in balance. And, and top five, I think, will be fine in the end. Gotcha. Uh, for the FPL players out there, uh, what have you seen from Vardy since the restart? Not a lot. <laughs> um, he, it's not his fault. Um, he has been largely starved of service. Um, he's been dropping very deep, similar to, to what we were saying about Kane earlier, actually. Um, dropping deep or going out wide and then picking the ball up and not being in a position to score because he's then turning creative for other players and it's just not the way we play. Um, so it's been tricky for him. He's been starved of service, but he was on a pretty barren run before the lockdown anyway. So it just kind of continued and he literally needed an open goal. Uh, six yards out, no goalkeeper to tap one in to, against Palace to get his kind of scoring boots back on. And then it's just like this magic kind of effects on him and he goes and scores dinks one over the keeper in the in injury time and scores this fantastic goal which you wouldn't have backed him to score half an hour earlier um so it's good to see him back on the score sheet he is obviously top of the um goal scoring charts still um although the challenges are are mounting now there as well um so i think he'll be okay he he typically loves playing arsenal um in the past, he he's done well against them. Bournemouth obviously is a, is a poor defence. So the next couple of games, I think he could be worth keeping in your team if you've already got him. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say he's one to to bring in in favour of someone that is in a bit better form. Um, but yeah, he, he I'd say he's he's got a decent chance against Arsenal and Bournemouth in the next week or so. 
All right, coming to you now, Jake, I want to talk about this kind of revelation that uh, Alan Maximan has been since the restart. Obviously, he was starting to find his form before the break. Now there's already talk of people wanting to sell him on, or if you get new ownership, I'm sure he'd get, he'd get blessed with an extended contract. But just wanted to hear from you why you think he's been performing so much better of late. Um, I don't know. I think he's just um, got used to the league. He's just adjust, uh, adapted. I think when he first came in, he was there's a lot of um, you know entertaining bits, a um, lot of good dribbles, but there wasn't there wasn't the end product. I also think he's been helped by the change of formation, whereas you know we've become accustomed to watching Newcastle play five at the back and just sort of sitting deep. Um, Bruce has now changed that. We're now playing um, four at the back, and we're getting further up the field, which I think has helped him. You know, when you're picking up the the ball on the edge of your own box, it's very difficult to then produce a assist or a goal at the end of it. Whereas if you're picking it up in the opposition half, as he has been, um, it, you know you've got much less to do, and there's a much greater chance that you actually do something, and you won't get so tired out either. So he's been really helped by the formation change. I just think he's got confidence as well. Um, and he's yeah he's, he's just done really well I, I I'm looking back now at the summer if if you just said we just spent 40 million pounds on on one player and 20 million pounds on the other out of Joel Linton and say maximum as bad as Joel Linton has been uh, and and we've probably wasted that money I think that getting say maximum for, for 20 million looks like a bargain even even now you know post-covid times i think that we'll make a big profit on him if he does ever go i think there's been talk of, of clubs looking at him i think i saw spurs linked to the other day i've seen napoli I've seen psg so i think his agents are out in force um the, the the general conversation seems to be that he wants a new contract um already he's already on a six-year deal but he wants a new contract with greater money which is completely understandable if you look at I think it's similar to the Zaha thing at, at Palace, or at least it was a few years ago, where they couldn't seem to win without him being in the team. I think our our win percentage with with him in the team is is something upwards of sixty percent, whereas without him, it's that we've won once without him. So he's he's definitely a key player. Um, and if I think I read that he's on about thirty thousand a week or thirty to forty thousand, which doesn't seem a, I mean, it's still a lot of money, but it doesn't seem a lot for a Premier League player, especially somebody who's so integral to their team and what he's added to the team and, and sort of pushed us to safety. He's probably earned a lot more than that. So I can see what his agents are trying to do. And hopefully, hopefully we get the takeover go through. Cause if that does happen, I think that we'll be able to tie him down to a new deal and, and hopefully have him for a lot longer because he's, he's very similar to what Ben Arthur was, but he seems to be got a much better mentality and seems to have a lot more um, consistency than Ben Arthur. So ho- hopefully he can continue this form for the rest of the season. And, and if he does, I think next year he can, really come out and, and achieve great things and, and sort of get 10 goals, 10 assists. He's definitely, he's get, got the, the potential to do that, even at a team like Newcastle, he is that good. Mm. Uh, yeah, and you are now a very comfy 17 points away from anything uh, in, in the relegation zone. Do you think we'll see Newcastle playing this kind of more relaxed, trying to chase their goal style for the rest of the season? Or do you think you might kind of ease off the gas a little bit here as the season winds down? Um. Yeah, I think that's, well, I think we're going to wind down. I think we saw that today. I don't think the players were quite at it. I think that a lot of them are just tired. Um, and I think it, we're going to see us just... You know, be, I think we'll see quite open games for Newcastle, but I think we'll probably not... I don't think we'll get many more wins before the end of the year. And, you know, I, it's no pressure. We're safe. Um, you know, it's, it's 
there's nothing more to do. I think Bruce's main main task this season was getting us safe. I think when he took the job, I don't think many people expected him. I thought we were going to go down. I didn't think there was a chance we'd stay up. Uh, I think we probably we've probably got lucky um, for a lot of the results we got, especially in the first half of the season. But since we've changed formations, we've 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 actually done pretty well. I think we've been worthy of a lot of the points we've got. Um, we've definitely created a a lot more chances, aren't conceding as many chances either because when you're not camped in your own box, you're not going to give away as many shots. So it, it's, it's sort of worked well and it, he sort of put himself out there to show why he, he deserves a, a longer term go at the job. I, I, if if we're sat here next year and Steve Bruce is still manager, I don't think that we'll be much higher than, than 16, 17. But, you know, he, he deserves credit. Fair play to him. He's got us safe few people expected that and he sort of repaired his reputation I think I think where before no Premier League club would touch him I think if he left Newcastle I still don't think any Premier League club would touch him but he's he's done all right so fair play to him yeah he's done very well especially compared to uh, expectations as you say uh Thomas will wrap up with you talking about Wolves up until this week you were the only team that had won every one of their matches since the restart that drops a little bit here but you still look pretty good for the European spots. Do you think that loss may have knocked you out of the Champions League uh, chase, or do you think that might still be on as well? Um, I don't think the top five is out of the question. I've been watching Leicester like a hawk because I've been thinking for a long time that I thought Man United were just going to carry on winning, which I still think they will, straight through to the end of the season. I thought Chelsea had the combination of a head start and, and you know, difficult, not so difficult fixtures. I thought they'd probably get enough points, but Leicester were were not winning. And I just wonder whether they might just drop like a stone. They've still got some pretty challenging fixtures. And obviously, they end the season against Man United. So I think it's going to be very tough for us to, to finish any higher than six now. Um, I think that Arsenal game was a, was a big moment for both teams. Obviously, if we'd beaten Arsenal, we would have been like nine points ahead of them and almost guaranteed top six finish. Um, but as it is now, we've kind of been reeled in a bit. We've got Sheffield United in the week. And that's going to be a tough examination because they're not going to sit back. So that's going to be a blood and thunder game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still hope we can finish sixth or seventh, which is is going to be European football. Um, but uh, but yeah, that, I think that defeat did, did set us back a bit, unfortunately. Yeah, and the attack hasn't been uh, as free-flowing, at least uh, when it comes to the score line of late. I know there was a bit of a formation change, and obviously Adama got the start, uh, and then he didn't end up providing much because of the uh, no goals. This <laughs> is the easy way to check that. Um, but just curious if there's a as, if there's a way that you view as the best way uh, to get the goals out of this team, or if you're kind of fine just kind of adjusting week to week. Yeah, well, what we've generally done is we've we've been playing this. We've got two shapes: a three-five-two and a three-four-three. And the best shape for Adama, without question, is a three-four-three because it's it's much more offensive. He can play exactly where he wants to play, either occupying the touchline or just moving inside to one of those pockets where he's he's, he's learned that from Nuno, I think, and he hurts teams inside as well as outside. Um, but what we've been trying to, what we did successfully in the first three games effectively was sit back, absorb any sting that those three relegation threatened teams had, and uh, you know eventually waited for our moment because we knew it would come eventually. Um, but then against Arsenal, we we kind of tried to do the same thing. We let them have the ball, we let them kind of dictate the play, and the only difference is they found a bit of quality to to get ahead and. Um, 
it's it's quite difficult. I think Arteta had them well prepared and well drilled. He sacrificed some egos and, and household names in favour of some, you know, I don't know what you call it, more sort of the, the important things, you know, the graft and energy, um, youthful exuberance, you might say. Um, and uh, they, they were well drilled and they were very much worthy of the three points. Um, don't begrudge them in the slightest. So, um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things. But I think if we... You know, if we if we want to go all out and try and get in the Champions League, I think we do need to play more on the front foot now. I think we need to be playing this three four three. We need to be playing Traore, uh, Jimenez through the middle, and then um, you know Jota or Neto on the other side and, and going after teams really, rather than sitting back and waiting for it. Because we haven't really got anything to lose. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see us going for it a bit and, and playing on the front foot. Gotcha. Well, very interesting stuff, and best of luck to you the rest of the season, unless it goes so badly that then it benefits Tottenham. But uh, yes. <laughs> we are incredibly out of time, but I had you guys get ready for match previews anyway, so we'll just kind of go result, Jim, Leicester versus Arsenal. I think that'll be a draw. I'll go 2-2. Two, two. All right, Jake, uh, up against Manchester City, who just got held to, to nil by Southampton there. I know you said you're already on the beach, but maybe another surprise result for them? Um, yeah, well, Bruce has already said that St. Maximum isn't going to play. Either Caden's injured. I'm sure he's going to make a lot more changes. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. I think it's, <laughs> I'm going to go 5 0 Manchester City. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> we'll wrap up uh, with you there, Thomas. Obviously, Wolves and Sheffield United were kind of like the dual story of the team set to break up the, the top six. Sheffield United had, had been. Pretty poor form since the restart, except against uh, one particular uh, club. <laughs> what do you think we'll see in this one? Yeah, it's going to be a tough game for Wolves. Um, don't like going to Bramall Lane. I think it helps us that the crowd's not there. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say one all, which is a good result to protect our Europa League place, but not probably kills us in the pursuit of the top five. So hope for a win, but I, I think a draw wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a bad result either. All right. Well, best of luck to all of you. That'll do it for us today. If you'd like to tell folks where they can find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I've been Jim. You can find me on Twitter at JimNightTweets. Uh, I'm also part of the Bundesliga for Beginners pod, which you can find on Twitter at BundesligaPod. Yeah, you can get me on Twitter at JoeJackWith2Ends. Um, I'm also on the championship show on this channel. So um, I think we've got a show coming being recorded tomorrow. So uh, yeah, give that one a listen as well. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. You can uh, you can get me at uh, wolvesblog.com if your team's playing Wolves or you're a Wolves fan. Uh, be preview for the uh, Sheffield United game going up shortly and some uh, pre-match, post-match discussion on that. But uh, yeah, wolvesblog.com or on Twitter at wolvesblog. And now I just feel bad. Thomas isn't on any other shows on this channel. Um, That's all right. all right. <laughs> maybe we'll have to sort that out now uh all right well that will do it for us today guys thanks so much for coming on it was a pleasure as always we hope you keep listening Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. 
one of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 